Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. Ankle Pickers, welcome back. We have a loaded schedule here today. Just one episode this week with a week off in the UFC, but we have a very exciting announcement. We had Sean Merriman, lucky enough to spend some time with him, the current promoter, head or founder, I don't know, what is he, guys? He's founder and founder promoter. promoter for Lights Out Extreme Fighting. We're psyched to chop it up with him. Followed by a recap of UFC 265. Cyril Gans victory in Houston over the Black Beast, followed by set the spread for UFC fight night a week and a half in advance, Jared Cannonier, Kelvin Gastelum. We're excited for all that. We are very excited for y'all to check out our interview with Sean Merriman, just another perk of being part of the Believe Podcast Network. And with that, let's transition to the interview. All right, Ankle Pickers, welcome back. We have a very special guest on the pod this afternoon. We've got a former first-round NFL draft pick, San Diego Charger, defensive rookie of the year, all-pro linebacker, and most recently the founder of Lights Out Extreme Fighting. We have Sean Merriman. Sean, welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This is definitely an exciting one for us, and I would love to start and just – getting to know a little bit more about you. So obviously you had a phenomenal football career with the San Diego chargers. And I was wondering, has your MMA fandom gone all the way back to before your football career? Is this something that you really picked up on after you, you kind of hung up the cleats? No. So, you know, I'm from um, the Maryland DC Virginia area, right? So I grew up around a ton of boxers. Um, I have uncles that are professional boxers and cousins. And, you know, we, I grew up in a box, boxing family. Uh, right, not too far from Sugar Ray Leonard's gym, like there where I grew up. So I, I grew up around that area. Um, but I got drafted by the Chargers in 2005, and just so happened this was the same time that uh, that MMA was kind of coming around, like you know, catching some fire, right? Yeah. Um. So a friend of mine, uh, Jay Glazer over at Fox Sports, he I said, "Um, I know you box and you've got a background in that, but have you tried MMA?" And I said. No, why? He said, well, I think it'll help you, you know, be a better pass rusher to help your hands, you know, you know, kind of accelerate your, your game. I said, hell, man, I'll, I'll, I'll try it out. You know, so I walk in I, the next day and I walk in, Jake Lay is on the right and Randy Couture is on the left, right? So I'm thinking in my head, I'm, 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 my head is spinning. I'm like, dude, I'm not sparring. I'm not fighting Randy Couture today. That's the first thing I'm like, you, you know, at the time, I don't, I never really sparred or did anything like that as much. So I'm thinking I'm going in to spar Randy Couture and I'm like, hell no, that's not going down. Uh, so anyway, but, you know, I noticed that when I started to work with Randy, like he would use his leverage and his body and his movements to kind of toss me around. I got him by 50 or 60 pounds. Yeah. So that's when I knew it could be useful against those other, you know, 340 plus offensive tackles. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, you know, I picked up every offseason. I started to work a little bit more. I moved high and ground game. I jujitsu stuff. Um, and I would start having, you know, light sparring matches. And then they turned into exhibition matches during the offseason. The team didn't know because uh, I would have all the phones and all that stuff when camera phones just started to kind of come around and people were into that. So I had them pull all the phones up and I'll have me, you know, a couple fights here and there. Um, but I ended up growing in love for the sport because I would have 
Randy Couture, um, Chuck Liddell, Ch- um, Tito Ortiz, all these guys will come down to the Chargers game. So I just started being around them and being around the sport even more. Um, and then fast forward to 2018, when we launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting, um, we just n- announced our partnership with uh, Fubo Sports. So now people okay. can download the uh, download the app Fubo Sports. If you don't have it, get it. Um, you can watch us uh, nationally and internationally. So, yeah, that's wow. That's a lot. You actually ran through a lot of what we want to talk about. So I was actually uh, mentioning to the boys before that I know Walter Payton used to take ballet classes to help with his football game. So I was going to ask it did when training mixed martial arts, did, did you notice it actually had a direct benefit to your success on the field? A hundred percent. I felt completely different the the following year, which is the next year where I led the league in sacks. My body, I was a lot leaner. Um, I was a lot more mobile. I was being able to turn the corners against those offensive tackles and open up my hips because you do a lot of that, you know, kind of in, in MMA. Um, my leverage was completely different where I'm able to keep my balance just that much more because I was able to use other people's body and leverage. And I always say this, I think that every former athlete should pick up a discipline when they done playing sports, because there's, there's that part of you that, you know, comes out to runs out to 70, 80,000 people and screaming and the highs. And when you get done with your sport, there's nothing to compete in anymore. Yeah. I mean, NBA players, you can go and, you know, shoot ball to LA fitness, you know, direct center somewhere, but, other than that, you're not getting much competition anywhere. And I just found that if you have some type of discipline, whether it's boxing or Muay Thai or, uh, you know, jujitsu, whatever, whatever that is to uh, grappling, pick it up and, and just kind of, you know, it, it gives you that sense of sanity, man. So that was yeah. something that really helped me in my transition after I start, after I stopped playing. Yeah. That, that, so, yeah, that's something that I've always wondered too. Like, so something that's so awesome about mixed martial arts and jujitsu in particular is the smaller guy can have an advantage over the bigger guy just through technique and and size and stuff like that so one of the things one of the last things we want to talk about just as far as mixed martial arts goes as far as you playing football too is have you ever thought about fighting and if so i mean you're still a young guy 37 have you thought about i mean i know you're on to bigger and better things now with the promotion and all but have you ever thought about lacing them up and giving it a go every day Oh, every day, be. every day, because, you know, the thing is, so now I, you know, I trained at Randy Couture's gym at, okay. uh, as extreme Couture. Uh, is, few that days a, a week. is that out in Maryland? Uh, Vegas. That's in Vegas. Vegas. Okay, cool. So, so I'm back are between you here, uh, Vegas, okay. LA and San Diego. I, I normally, you know, in one of the three places. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I'm around these guys, so I, I enjoy it. I, I mean, I, I enjoy just being in the mix and having sparring days and just get a chance to go in there and work with them. And for me at 37, if I can keep up with somebody that I'm 10, 12 years young, you know, older than, then I'm all right. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's one of these things where you either fight or you don't, yeah. right? Because me being a former athlete, I realized that that's all I did when I played football. I worked out, practiced, you know, I did everything for my craft. These guys are practicing, training one, two days a week. I mean, two, two times a day, sometimes six, seven days a week. And that's not even them getting prepared for a fight. They did, That's just their lifestyle. So that's like somebody walking up to me and saying, hey, you want to do uh, the Oklahoma drill or the nut right, right, right. right. I'm that like, yeah, okay, normal. try yeah. me. I've been doing that my whole life. That's what I know best, right? right? So try me. So you're going there against the, uh, and, and you're, you're sparring and going against these guys that they're doing that to feed their families and their livelihood. So your, their mentality is completely different. 
So I always keep that in mind that even though I'm, I feel good when I'm training, I feel good when I'm sparring. You might come in and like, yo, you, yeah, you can take a fight next week, right? And see me. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is that the fight is easy. It's living that lifestyle where that's all you're doing. So yeah. that's that's why I'm always in the gray area. I, I love promoting the, these other fighters, man. It's it's like, it's almost like where I, what I should have been doing long, you know, long time. So, I just like promoting these guys. Yeah. So that's it. That brings us. That's a great transition. So we wanted to ask you a lot about lights out. That's obviously your nickname lights out Sean Merriman. So you have a promotion lights out extreme fighting. So we just wanted to our audience. I have a little segment on the main show where I read off a lot of the cards coming up via through other promotions. And so you, I know you mentioned the FUBU sports app, but what's the best way if you could talk to all the MMA fans in the world to follow your promotion and keep up with everything. Well, they um, check on football, football sports, and then okay. follow us at lights out XF. Um, they can check okay. us out at lights But, but this is the thing, you know, we, we have all the up and coming t- talent that's out there. We, we have it. Um, you know, I, I would multiple fighters, you know, over the pandemic alone and, and, you know, kind of came from our league and went to the UFC and other places. Yeah. We would also like to be uh, mentioned up there with exclusive leagues and premier leagues you know, down the road, we're working on it. Um, but also too, transitioning athletes from other sports into MMA, into lights yeah. out. You know, we got a Chris McCain who played for um, the Chargers and I think he played for the um, the Dolphins and the Colts at one point. Um, and we're working on transitioning like three or four more guys, two hockey guys we're trying to announce here as soon as they, as soon as they wrap up and get done. But like I said, man, these are natural fits, you know, for them leaving what they did to coming over into uh, to what we're doing. So we have a ton of athletes that are transitioning right now. I can't, honestly, I can't even wait to announce them, man. It's, it's like one of these things. I'm like, I'm asking them all the time. Hey, you know, you ready? They're like, okay, I well, come on, let's go. So, um, as soon as we get to that point, I think people are going to really be shocked to see the, to see their favorite athlete scrap a little bit. I can't, I don't don't want to veer too far away here, but I want to dig a little bit deeper also. So obviously you're a fan of the sport. You're hanging around Randy, Randy Couture, all these other fighters, you're a fan of the sport. You're participating in in MMA itself or whatever. You're really sparring. You're, you're getting involved. You're, you're in there. Where does the step come? When do you decide, when do you go from a fan of the sport to wanting to found a promotion like that? And what goes into that decision-making process? It's all the it's all the knowledge that I've picked up and been around the sport for 16 years. Right. Um, for for me, sparring with the guys, working with the guys, being around them. Uh, if you ask any former athlete what they miss about what they did, they'll all tell you the same thing. They miss the locker room. They miss being around the guys. So for me personally, it's like me being back in the locker room because it's a lot of shit talking. Uh, you know, it, they just never stop talking, never stop competing. These guys just get after it. And to me, that's my comfort zone where I'm around them who, who are doing that. Now I step out of there and, you know, I kind of put back on the business and the promotion hat, right? How can I grow the company? How can I get it seen? How, how can I get these fighters that we have seen more? What, what else can I do to make us bigger and grander than what we're doing, right? And so it, as soon as I walk into out the gym, it becomes that again. It's not that I'm a fighter anymore. And I'm like, I, I got my fix in a way, right? Like yeah. I got my okay, cool. I, I got my, whatever it is out that I needed for that day in order to do what I'm doing now. So it's so, interesting. Go, or ahead, go ahead, Kobe. All right. So I, I know you mentioned you got a bunch of former athletes that are coming and you're excited to drop some names and we'll try to bait you into it. I know that you probably can't just yet, but do yeah. you find that other athletes are coming in and like 
seeing that part of the promotion and seeing that like, okay, this is a guy that I know has had this locker room experience. That's why I want to get involved in lights out. hundred percent. Um, and some of these guys, uh, like, like Chris McCain, you know, I, I told some of his former teammates that, that he played with, uh, down in the Dolphins when, um, what was I at? I was, uh, playing at Jarvis Landry. This part about two, almost a year and two, two years ago. Now I was playing at his softball tournament in Cleveland and um, I said, yeah, we got, you know, this Niz, we got Chris, you know, Chris McCain's about to fight. And two of his teammates was on a, on a bus heading to the stadium with us, right? And they said, dude, first thing they said, dude, that is right up his alley because that's all he did in practice, fight, <laughs> right? So, you know, you can, now you got one of those things. So you have, you have some guys that mentality-wise, they're just meant for the sport. Yeah. Um, and if, it, if, it, if the money and the opportunity, I think, was there when I retired, I would have did it. I would have done it immediately. I was 28 going on 29. I felt great fighting wise. I couldn't go back out and, you know, have another 17 sack year, but fighting wise, I felt amazing. The problem was is that the, the opportunity wasn't big then in 2013. I think the people are understanding now you starting to see a lot of these celebrity fights yeah. and people are doing it. The, 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 the name that when somebody has a built-in audience that is worth paying the money for, because they're going to just draw attention. And I, I don't think that a lot of these leagues, promoters, or whatever you want to call it, grasp that thing and say, oh, this guy's first professional fight. We're not going to pay him a half a million to a million bucks. Right. Well, now guys are getting that no matter what. They're getting that you know, through streaming. They're getting that through pay-per-views. So it all makes sense now. I was just ahead of my time in, in when it comes to that. So now, I, you know, could I still go? Absolutely. I mean, if you talk to some of the guys that train with, they'll, they'll tell you, like, yeah, you know, Give, give Sean an eight-week training camp, and he, he could probably go scrap with anybody, right? Um, but the real part of it is, is that the fun, and, and what's fun for me, that's not really a, a, a job, is really promoting the hell out of lights out, yeah. right? But when you know you have some of the best up-and-coming talent in your league, and you're, you're kind of grassrooting them, and you see these guys, because I've, I've trained in probably 30 gyms in the country, from boxing, MMA gyms, right, all up and down the coast, I've, I've been everywhere. So, you know, the talent that you have right there in, in your own grasp and just, you know, blowing these guys up. So I was actually going to ask you about that. So as far as like the business side of it, the, the promotion side of it, have you thought about doing anything to really differentiate yourself from other promotions? I mean, you see guys like uh, some of the other promotions, Bellator, PFL, they run like it's stylistically different with the tournaments. I've seen, ref cams i know that there's been some judging issues with the way people judge they want live scoring have you brainstormed any ideas about something oh, that could make yeah 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 we you know it, our next fight is going is going to be a little different and we're on we're on football sports we're we're working something out with them to see if we can do something a little bit different during the fight yeah um and you know it's not you know people ask me all the time like oh you compete with the ufc or you can listen they're great leagues. They have, you know, Dana and, and all those guys, and Scott, they're great, you know, and what they, they've been around forever. Um, with me, I'm just like, I believe in creating something different that's going to give another niche, another avenue for people to watch what we're doing, right? And my, my, my famous quote by my former coach, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, is uh, don't worry about what they're doing, execute what you're doing, right? And he always used to say that. It's not about what they do it's what we do. He would always, and that yeah. for whatever reason, always stuck with me. Uh, so let, you know, all the other leagues, they can do what they do. We're going to ex execute and do what we do and um, just create some really good fights uh, that people are going to come and watch. Yeah. That, those are some powerful words right there. Yeah. We, I just, there's just so many ways to 
improve upon such the amazing sport. I'm really excited to see where lights out takes the creative direction on even just with this new TV deal, just to see what you can do live on air and, and to make it really stand out. So I think I, so for those who listen to your podcast and hopefully our listeners can go, it's the lights out podcast with Sean Merriman. Is that correct? Yep. And your most recent episode was about sports cards and NFTs with the Panini. Uh, what was his position at Panini again? VP of, um, yeah, it was a VP there. VP. So we have talked amongst the crew about getting a little sports card segment going here, especially with all the new uh, UFC cards coming out and all that stuff. And I just had to ask you, uh, do you personally collect yourself? And some. Ha- some? Some, yeah. Any uh, UFC or mixed martial arts? No, not there yet. They're actually just putting that deal together. So they're going to start in the mixed martial arts background. I think they start with the UFC or whatever they're working with. Yeah, they have. So they have uh, a couple nice products uh, out now. And I I can't stop. I think I'm spending all my money there. But I'm, yeah. So wh- who, who are you collecting these days? Um. I did get I did get one signed uh, for my son for, for Justin Herbert. He signed he signed one. It was like a one of one uh, that oh I got my. for my son because uh, oh. he, he loves Justin Herbert. Um, I got a um, a ball which which uh, from the Pelicans. Um, Zion, uh, not not Williamson? Zion, not from the Pelicans, but um, from uh, Charlotte, the Bobcats. Lamelo, Lamelo, Lamelo yes. ball. I'm, yeah, Lamelo Ball. I got one, and it's crazy. I opened his up in one of those packs where I bought a whole pack, and yep. like uh, and I did. And mind you, I I just got him because my son's into it. So I'm like, okay, I'll buy that shit, whatever it is. If he like, if he if he likes it, and he and he says it's good, okay, it got it got to be good because he know everything. And I bought it. and It was like a, a fifteen thousand dollar card in there, or something. I bought it for like two grand. So it was fun. like a a one on one or something crazy too. Oh. So, but I, I think that this this is really the start of this whole trading card thing, right? NFTs, it's really only a start. And I didn't fully, like you, I didn't really fully have a grasp on what the hell the NFT was and how do you value it. And we really got into it and he broke it down to how um, unique it is and what certain things can go for and their plans. Now in college, now you can get paid in college, right? Your name and likeness, they got a whole thing that they're kind of launching with that. Uh, so it, it's an interesting space because it's only going to grow from here. Yeah. So for all those listeners, go give that podcast a listen. It was phenomenal. The only reason why I had the courage to even bring up NFT is because I learned so much from you guys talking about it on the podcast or also would have kept it just to, to sports cards. Um, but speaking about the college deal really quick, too, we were talking about how Dan Lambert, the uh, founder of ATT, he had that huge Miami football deal. And uh, I. You know, I, I don't want to backtrack too far, but I do want to ask you, do you think that the sport of mixed martial arts is going to steal talent away from football, like younger kids, now that the sport's growing so much? A hundred percent. And, you know, what's crazy is that you're, you're, some of your best fighters go to Alabama, SEC school, you know, one of the biggest schools, Texas, Florida. You got some of the, big, some of the best fighters. And what happened was when in the NFL players was getting paid that much, they were boxing instead. So, but when the money got bigger and your aspirations became from being a boxer or a fighter in your neighborhood, like when I came from in in Prince George's County, Maryland, you know, like before I came up, it was a lot of boxers from my area. Well, when the NFL started paying a lot more and football started getting in content. So now all your biggest, who would have been probably heavyweight champions or light heavyweight or middleweights as, you know, cornerbacks, 
are now going to Texas to play football, going to, you know, uh, Georgia to play football. And so now it's kind of going back around, right? It's the yeah. money is if you have a, a, a pretty decent name and you are pretty decent fighter, you can make some really nice money in the uh, MMA world being a, being a fighter. So, and that's why you see a lot of these guys and that's why they 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I, I could have never talked to a former NFL player and say, Hey, I, you know, I got this got my MMA league. This we're doing this and this up. Oh, what are you paying? Oh, no, thank you. Right. The money's not there. Right. Cause you're coming, you're coming off paying, making six figures to seven figures a year now to making and grand you know, fight 10, five. 10, 15, yeah. 20,000 a fight. You're like, hell no, I'm not punching, getting punched in the face, but At now, the most too. you know, can you, you know, you can come out and start making six figures a fight or close to it. If you have, if you have a name, you go first fight can be a hundred K. If you got a decent name and you can fight, you can make a hundred thousand your first fight all the way up, you know, and, and start building from there. You can make another set. You can make, be another millionaire when you get done. If you, if you do it right. And that's one of the things that I think MMA's falling behind on is just because the way boxing you saw, you mentioned the celebrity fight and some whatever's going on and they're pulling up seven figures. And then I know there's been some pullback in the MMA community just with the purses for, for some of these UFC guys. But like you said, if you bring a name and it sounds like you're having a lot of ex professional athletes that are having interest in, in mixed martial arts. If you have a name you and you market yourself properly, which I think you're also kind of involved in as far as marketing, not only lights out, but also the fighters themselves. I mean, you can make some good money. You can make great money and it's, and it's going to get there. Yeah. I'm in talks yeah. right now with, you know, two big, um, you know, kind of reality stars from a show talking about having a fight against each other in my league, you know, who, who actually have Ooh. wrestling in a, in a, in a combat sports background. You know, so that's Ooh. it's not going to be far. It's not going to be far fetched for that to happen, and it's it's going to get there. But there, you know, it's easier to come and just box because you don't have you know you, it's one it's one discipline, right? You got to just learn stand up. Right. When you talk about MMA, there's multiple disciplines that you have to learn in order to go and do that. So it, it is a little bit more difficult. But the money's getting there. The money's getting up there. So it's gonna you know people gonna learn you know, basic jujitsu, basic stand-up, basic stuff to go in and have a fight against another celebrity and make it a entertain. We're not talking about like, you know, two experts, right? Two professionals right. at the top level fighting. So we're talking about, you know, two amateurs coming in and, and, and scrapping from that point of view. C CM Punk did it for the UFC. I actually managed to see that one live in, in Chicago, but yeah, they had, I think it was a UFC main card, a CM Punk versus some random guy. And it, I mean, it pulled in pay-per-views. People want a see lot it. of pay-per-views. Yeah. And I think he made a half a million that fight. And, you know, <sighs> he didn't, he didn't look all that great, you know, and I, and I yeah. like seeing punk a lot. Uh, now we, we always didn't like each other, but I, I do like Ooh. him. Um, and he didn't look all that great, but if I think that if he did, you know, look pretty decent and he did, you know, it do well, I think it would open up a door, open up the doors for a lot more people then yeah. when he did it. Yeah. And I, and I think you're dead on. I think it's coming. I think there's going to be a huge wave and I'm excited to see where the, where the uh, journey of mixed martial arts and even more so lights out extreme fighting. I I'm beyond excited to follow the journey and, and watch. Honestly, for me, man, this is not even a job. Like I, I laugh and I joke and I'm like, I do this shit for a living promoting and building a brand and doing this stuff and mostly being a troll on social media about it. Like it's, <laughs> for me, it's, it's like a walk in the park anyway. Um, but it, it's fun because, 
you know, like to take Fubo, for example, like they're, you know, they, a lot of these places, they, they want good content. People love watching fights. I mean, hell, I'll be, you know, two o'clock in the morning. If I'm still up laying in the bed, I watch a, a, a pride fight from 2000. Right? Yeah, like yeah just, I've been there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like kind of like people love fighting. And so by us having a live event on, on Fubo and then having it archived in the library where people can go back and watch it, it was, it's huge. I think it's genius. I mean, I think there's never too much content. I think that if you promote something that's unique or entertaining, the sky's truly the limit. I'm just beyond excited to see where Lights Out goes. So, Sean, this has been a blast. We want to certainly respect your time here. We've got two quick last questions we vetted out to the listeners, uh, both kind of tying it back to Extreme Couture. So, obviously, former NFL linebacker, uh, a lot of our listeners are uh, primarily focused on the UFC, you could say. So focusing on the heavyweight division, Extreme Couture, does Cyril Gahn have any chance against Francis Ngannou when that fight gets fought? Mm. Don't, you know, and, I, and I've seen Francis in right. the gym multiple times. And this is a scary mother. I mean, this dude is, he's scary looking. He's built almost like a football player. When he walk in, he looks like he played either DN or uh, outside line. He looks, he has that look about him. And his power, man, his his power was just scary because anybody with that amount of knockout power, um, he it can happen late in the second, early in the third. It's it's one, that one shot that's always scary. Um, and what's what's the other name? Um, Cyril Gaon. Yeah, and he just beat um Derek Lewis. Lewis, the Beast, right? Yeah. One thing I like about him, and I said this before the fight he had before um before Derek Lewis. Is that he's he's so skilled, he's a like he's uh he doesn't get rattled. He's a skilled big man. Like he he honestly he moves like a a way smaller guy, a guy that's yeah. fighting at two hundred five. That's how that's how technical he is. So it's 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 weird, man. I, I, it's like a toss up. Then I mean, I want to say Francis can go and 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 kind of have a knockout power and, and knock him out. But when you got somebody that's skilled and you know that Francis can knock you out. He's going to stay away from him as much as possible. Don't get in range. You know, every time he starts getting close, kick this kick out, kick him, you know, front, front kick him or whatever it is, just, just annoy the hell out of him. And he's technical enough. He's skilled enough to do that. The problem is, like I said before, you go, you look at Francis, he it just takes one. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the heavyweight division. That's a, you summed it up pretty good right there. So last quick question. This is, this is for the, the true MMA fans out there, but extreme couture, have you ever rolled with Vinny Magelheis? No, no, I haven't rolled with Vinny. <laughs> um, when I go over that, I, I rolled some up uh, for the most part with um, Jason Manley and Jake Shields. Um, you know, a couple of those guys over there. They got some, they got some killers over there, man. I, they really do. They got a, a lot of talent. Um, you know, I always got my eyeballs open too, right? I mean, I'm over there training, but in between a quick right. session, I'm like, okay, damn, he's nice. Okay, what is he about to turn pro? All right, cool. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I haven't rolled with Vinny yet, but I, I got plans too. Ooh, that's good. Uh, my guy's over there is Eric, man. Eric's Eric's a beast. I mean, Nick Six is smart of a guy as there is. Yes, he is, man. He um I, I yeah, I got over there to train with him and, and Walt Harris, and you know, we got a got a nice couple of sessions in, but uh yeah, Eric's Eric's a beast. Cool. Right. Well, appreciate it, fellas, man. Thanks for, for having me on. And uh, let's let's do this again, man. I'm you know. 
Yeah, I can go. I can go an hour. Trust me, we can. I got. Oh, I got more words than we got time. So we, we got to direct again all our listeners back to Lights Out Extreme Fighting. They just got the new partnership Fubo TV. Check that out, and uh, we'll see you back soon, Sean. Thanks for being on. You got it, guys. Thank you. What an awesome interview we just had there with Sean. Beyond blast to have him. Thank you again, and go follow him on all of his socials at Lights Out. Extreme fighting, Sean Merriman, obviously, <laughs> and and wherever else you want to go follow him, we'll plug his socials in, in our link. Reese can't even figure out our socials, so don't burden him with finding out somebody else's socials. With that being said, <laughs> follow at Longhorn MMA. Follow at Longhorn DK Capper MMA Longhorn at MMA UFC Capper, and then also at Kingpin MMA or at our Paul for my transition to the real one. Uh, we'll see. Uh, at Country Club Kobe, you're smiling up there. You can follow him over there on Twitter and at editor.rehost.parker. So we'll get into a uh, recap and then we are going to transition that right into set the spread. Is that correct? Country Club Kobe. Perfect. So recap, Dan, we're going to recap Cyril Gone versus Derek Lewis, UFC 265 in Houston, Texas. It was a full crowd there that night. It was awesome. And let's just start off with what I think is the over... Actually, you know what? I'm going to start off with the main event. And I know that's out of order, out of like traditional, but because people are going to be segmenting from the Sean interview and we asked him near the end there, we might as well continue with that. So... We asked him, for those who are transitioning from, from the interview, who he, who he has in the, in the Cyril Gaon, Francis Ngannou. Obviously, that tells you that Cyril Gaon won the fight. Derek Lewis, Cyril Gaon, for the interim championship, even though you know we don't want to get bogged down there with the fact that Francis might have been able to go. But what are your takeaways from that fight? It was a third-round KOTKO, so he did, in fact, get the finish near the end there. It obviously ran a little long. I think a lot of people were feeling bad for Derek there for a split second when he was curled up and taking a beating. But Cyril Gaon advances to 10-0. and 0. Derek Lewis falls down to 25-8. and 8. I mean, he's just a, a vet at this point. But uh, what, what do you make of that fight? Yeah, I mean, it was a fun one. Capped off a really fun night, really profitable night, and that was definitely a kicker for it. I had a pretty big bet, a max play by my standards on Cyril. And at no point was I sweating. It was exactly kind of what I expected when I placed that money. And the sad thing is I think it didn't quite tell us anything in terms of Cyril's chin or, or, or whatnot. He just, his footwork was too good. His defense was too good. He didn't really get put in any danger. Which I think is a good sign because especially at heavyweight, like the last thing you want to say is like, oh yeah, my fighter is a good chin. So I'm happy to see that his footwork and his in and out, his movement was phenomenal, which I know Sean touched on. But when you see a guy like that being able to avoid bombs from Derek Lewis, it does make you feel hopeful. And I actually saw that after this performance, the future line or the betting line is actually Cyril gone at the favorite. Um, yes. At minus no one. I swear. Go look it up. It was uh, Francis and with the favorite, but on betonline.ag, I believe. You can check it. It was Cyril Gaon minus 130. And that frustrates the heck out of me. I, 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 I was so excited to play At Cyril least I got blasted about it that we needed to lay it all. I'm pretty sure that reference is correct. But 
I can't check because we obviously have set the spread coming up. <laughs> so I can't right now. It's, um, it's but even on. Well, even's even more than you thought yeah, it was. It's about even across the board. So it is pretty much a pickle, which is an interesting question. So, okay. So Danny, another one I want to touch you about Johnny Munoz, you laid by submission twice, at least tracked. And you pretty much called this one all the way from even on last week's pod. You said Johnny Munoz uh, really can win anywhere. Jamie Simmons is primarily a wrestler, got caught. What do you make of that? Yeah, this was just an awesome fight and a great way to start the night. I mean, starting the night in green, ending the night in green, you absolutely can't ask for more with a bunch of fun finishes in between. And Munoz was just the perfect domino to start them all. I mean, I said inside the distance on the podcast last time, that one I ended up laying off of. But the sub hit for plus money, um, he was part of a parlay that ended up smacking as well. Uh, it was just a great night. That's what I like to hear. I laid off Johnny Munoz. I did end up riding this one, though. Manel Cape, I tweeted out uh, at Ankle Pick Pod on Twitter. I tweeted out that Manel Cape was the only sole fighter to miss weight, missed it by four pounds. If you are a listener to this podcast, you know that I'm obsessed with people who have the size advantage. So Manel Cape, although it was a questionable stoppage from what people are saying, I mean, the knee landed flush, but he was very much with it still. First round KOTKO. I, I still am not per, imp, as impressed as I want to be with, with Manel Cape. Or yeah, the, the ending of the fight really did him a huge favor. We were, I mean, we, you asked me on the podcast last week, we've got a guy here, Manel, who had a, a ton of hype on him as a prospect. If he yeah. goes 0-3, does he get cut? And we both kind of agreed no. But he right. really needed something like this to turn turn people's opinions, especially Dana's. Yeah. And it, the the big knock on him was that he, he clearly has the talent. And it was exactly what we were a- echoing on the pod. The big issue is that he doesn't always fire, especially with uh, Pantoja. The fight, it, it felt like he was fighting off his back foot a lot, which was never his style. And then he swears that the next fight, was he won the decision, even said in his post-fight interview, he was like, this is bull crap. I really won, and they, whatever. But moral of the story is this one was a, a little bit better of a performance, but I still don't think we've seen everything we're going to see out of this guy. I, I I don't know if it requires a camp change or what, but closing in at around minus 200 favorite, this is one that I ended up hitting, and I'm, uh, I feel pretty good about it. And I think the camp change would also help with that weight. It's, it's yeah, not a good that, look when you miss four pounds, four pounds is embarrassing, especially because he wasn't that depleted. And apparently he handled it phenomenally. He like apologized to everybody and, and said it won't happen again and so on and so forth. But like, I, I really do think people underestimate how much four pounds of depletion plays a factor. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, for real. Ode Osborne had to get there and he fought at one at, at 45 before. So I, I don't know it questionable. Prelim card. This is one we're not going to get into all these, but one that I need to get into is a strawweight bout. Carolina Kovalkiewicz versus Jessica Penne. This is one that we both talked about for potential ankle lock. And I actually got sucked in on and, and it did lay a little bit on Carolina. We haven't seen her in a couple of years. Jessica Penne, we've obviously talked about where, where our feelings are on her. Her main prowess is grappling and for whatever reason, and I still, I woke up today, we're recording this as of Wednesday. I actually woke up today and I was like, what was Carolina thinking? Again, for the fifth straight day, like I had a nightmare. I woke up in cold sweats. I was like, wait, why did Carolina go to the ground? When yeah, it made no sense. Made no sense. So, she took her down. 
She got swept. She decided to stay on her back when she could have gone for a traditional wrestling getup and then ended up getting subbed right quick. It's it's it it actually blew my mind. And I and even the commentators were talking about it. And it's like when you look at a girl like Jessica Penne on the other side, who also before her last fight had quite the layoff. Carolina Cage took a layoff here after going on a three fight skit against, I mean, the best of the best, Alexa Grasso, uh, JJ, and so on. The, you go and you're like, the only way Jessica Penne wins this fight is via sub. The only way. And when Carolina entered her guard, I actually was pro. I. I don't know. I could throw my mic just thinking about it. Like, actually. It, so that one was a loser for me. I don't know if you have anything to add. Have we seen the last of Carolina Kovacavich? Or do you think they're going to just be like, I mean, it's I mean, it's it's women's straw weight. Who knows? I know they need bodies. It's so interesting because she did have a lot of hype at one point. But yeah, she was. I mean, she was she was fighting the JJ's, the Alexa Grasso's of the world. She kind of I mean, this is a what have you done me? late? What have you done for me lately? Sport? Yeah, though. absolutely. And, and five and it, is bad. Yeah, her and uh, Jeremy Stevens should go on a date or something. See what that's like. Uh, that would be a that would be a table you'd catch, you'd catch some sort of losing streak from. Light heavyweight bout: Alonzo Manyfield at Herman. Now this something. one's interesting because I tweeted about this one because I hit that Alonzo Manyfield by decision. I, I was gassing myself up over on the at, at Ankle Pick Pod Twitter account. And are you surprised by the outcome? Because, I mean, first off. If, if you know Ed Herman for anything, and he's like a tenured UFC fighter, I think he's the longest tenured active fighter on the roster, you know that he is the chin of all chins. I mean, the man oh, yeah. can get hit by a brick, and he's just like back for more. I mean, he gets finished and then finished his opponent in his last fight, as we've talked <laughs> right, about a lot. Right. But no, I mean, I think, I think I expected a knockout going in, but in hindsight, this is... At, at, you, you were all over it, Reese. This was a great play. Ed Herman's... Chin of all chances, as you said. Menafield looked pretty good, even though he got cut, and that really screwed with him for a couple rounds. Um, but I was yeah. shocked twice during this fight. I was shocked that the doctor let Herman keep fighting after the second round. And then oh, I was with the shocked. Lag? Yeah. And then I was shocked that he stayed in in another five minutes. I couldn't believe it. The, the first part shocked me. The second part didn't. That Ed Herman, you could chop his leg off. He couldn't even stand on that leg. Well, that's the thing, too. And, and we can get in on this. On and That was from, what, four kicks? Three kicks? Oh, I mean, dude, Manyfield kicks so hard. But, I mean, it's something to note how much leg kicks are impacting this game. I mean, it's it's truly remarkable because it it took over in a couple fights. And I would argue it even took over in the main event with Cyril Gaon and, and Derek Lewis. I mean, I think that was always part of the game plan. But... If you can really implement a powerful, dominant leg kick, you take all the power away from your opponent, you disrupt him. And Sean on the interview mentioned it with Cyril's path to victory over Francis and Ghana potentially is just to, you know, work that low calf kick. I mean, it's a dominating thing in the game. I'm shocked people enter without a game plan to that. Um, Speaking one more, of that game plan, yeah. though, I don't mean to jump too far ahead, but I think we saw the best display of leg kick defense I've ever seen in the UFC in the co-main. I... I'm glad you mentioned that. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And there's, I do also think that there was a, these older guys, I've noticed there's a fear of throwing some of those keg leg kicks with, with what's happened with Weidman and some other guys. But I mean, when you look at Aldo, who's kind of taken it out of his repertoire and you look at a guy like Munoz, who has always had it in his repertoire. I mean, Munoz threw maybe a hundred leg kicks and I think maybe a hundred of them got checked. Remarkable. I mean, 
Jose could be running a literal clinic on that because a lot of fighters need that. Which you know what? Let's just let's just talk about this one while we're here. His boxing, man. Holy shit. Can you see the speed advantage between his hands and Muno's hands? And Muno's is a fast 35er. Aldo looked. This is this. I okay. Saw a tweet and I don't remember who it's from or else I'd credit you, but I want to mention it. 35 Aldo beats 55 McGregor. Just saying. I, <laughs> Not in those respective weight class. I'm saying, like, per their weight move, like, quality of talent, pound for pound. This 35 Aldo, dude, I, I actually, I mean, we already saw what happened with Piotr, but, like, his boxing, whole, I, I'm still shocked, man. It was phenomenal. No. I agree with you. And it's not even, I saw a lot of people saying like, Oh, OG Aldo is back, but it's, it's not even that it's an Aldo 2.0. It's a completely different style of fighter, same speed, same toughness, same aggression, but it's a more stylistic layered approach. um, Even than what he, when he dominated and, and Rose became the King of Rio. It's, I mean, it's everything behind that jab and that defensive structure and those body shots. Oh, it was magnificent. Yeah, his hands were always up. I, I wrote Aldo here. I know you were also on Aldo here. It wasn't on my card at first. And then as it got closer and closer to the fight, I'm thinking to myself, it's like, is there any scenario when I close my eyes that Aldo loses his fight? And there really wasn't. I mean, he looked as good as ever. His Thank God he checked those leg kicks. I had an accidental extra digit on my Aldo bet. That's a good, like, as in like you. As in a good yeah, extra digit. Attaboy, attaboy. Um. So here's a fight that I had a bad extra digit on. I This is one that I just did not see right. Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque. So part of my taping was correct. The other part was wrong. I thought Chiesa was going to be able to work his wrestling, get a takedown at will. And I which thought that, which he did, which he did. That was the part that I got right. And there was a couple seconds there where you're like, oh, Chiesa's got this in the bag. He was working that rear naked choke and very few survive with Michael Case on their back. Vicente Luque, you, you you know, he's fallen in love with his hands. He's probably the most, one of the most durable, toughest fighters around. Showed you how dangerous he is. He reminded you how dangerous he is on his back because he hasn't gotten a sub in many years now. But holy shit, was that an exciting uh, three minutes and 25 seconds because it was a first-round submission from Vicente Luque, even though Michael Case had challenged his submission a couple times there. Oh, it was so awesome. This was, I didn't bet this one, but I got the gift that I asked for la- on last week's pod. We got to see Luke tested from his back. Yep. We got to see some some sweeps, some sweep attempts. Uh, we got to see him lock in that Darce, which was just unbelievable. It, and, and I don't want to take too much credit for it because it is all over Twitter. But there's a lot of comparisons between Vicente Luque right now and who we thought Tony Ferguson was, who that image was. I mean, he's dangerous. He's a gamer everywhere. He's tough as nails. Uh, pulls out the Darces out of nowhere. It's a pretty uncanny comparison. And, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think that Vicente Luque, if you ignore who's holding the belt, could contend for it. Well, that's the big question is it sounds like after this victory, Colby and Usman's obviously getting ran. And then it sounds like the question, at least in the Twitter sphere, is – is Vicente Luque next? Can he be the one who finishes Usman? And, 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 and for those ultimate fighter guys, they were on the same season, Black Zillions versus ATT, on the same, same team. Same season, same team, same, same gym. Season, same team. 
This is the um, gym that became Sanford MMA. I mean, Gilbert wow. Burns was pretty vocal about he would never accept that fight and that Kamaru is different. I wonder how Luke feels. I, I think that Gilbert joined the gym post Kamaru, or not post Kamaru leaving, but um, after Vicente Luque and Kamaru had already had a relationship ongoing. That's one of the reasons why this support's so different than anyone else. It's like you're about to see a Cyril Ghana, Francis and Ganu on a little bit of a smaller scale. But I mean, you see it time and time again where only one person can have the gold. Who's it going to be? I mean, you've seen guys in the past, not to get too bogged down here, but like Daniel Cormier deliberately fight light heavyweight to avoid Cain Velasquez because they're best of their best friends. They would never fight. But I mean, that's not an option for at least gone in Ghana, which is going to happen, but I don't know. I, you know, you guys are both, their paths are meant to align. I think it's going to happen. So before we move on to set the spread, we, we, we covered the main event, covered the co-main covered uh, pretty much everything on the main card worth covering. The one thing I wanted to mention because I was gassing myself up on Twitter all night about it was Bobby green, Raphael Fiziev or Fiziev. He calls out, uh, Fazib calls out, uh, what's his name? Hasbula. Hasbula. <laughs> uh, I saw that service on the internet. But Rafael Fazib ends up beating Bobby Green by unanimous decision. But it, it, it seemed to be somewhat controversial. I don't think so. I scored a 29-28 Fazib, even though I had a bet out on Bobby Green by decision plus 450, which I stand by no matter what the outcome is. But what, what did your scorecard look like? And also, I want to know what you take away from that fight because, first off, I think it shows Fazeev's true talents. I mean, you're looking at a guy who, in all honesty, at 55, again, you don't totally know, I, or at least I, you rarely have seen what his ground game looks like. But as far as a striker goes, he's as good as they come. Bobby One of the Green, best Muay Thai strikers. Right. Bobby Green's just really that good at evading and, and defense. But so... I just want to the the things. What's your takeaway, and how did what did your scorecard look like? I had it twenty nine twenty eight. I thought it was pretty obvious. I think the controversy that stemmed from this is um, a lot due to the thirty twenty seven scorecard that that one judge had, Igfazi fan, as a guy who thought right. he won that fight pretty clearly. Because the third round is impossible to go to Fazeev, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then that brings up the question that really was was we even kind of mentioned to Sean there back there too is it's like what I wonder if some of these MMA promotions are going to do stuff differently as far as like maybe live scoring goes like so you can see how it's progressing or things like that because you know there's just too many question marks. So before we jet on the recap, we do have to bring bad news to everyone in the ankle pick world. We lost our ankle lock of the week last week, and it dropped us to double-digit losses before we hit the big 2-0 for wins. Casey Kenny does not beat the Team Alpha Male Song Yudong via decision. I had Song Yudong. Uh, I actually, to be honest with you, had a 30-27, but Casey Kenny seemed beyond surprised that he lost that fight. I just looked at volume more than anything else. And, you know, it's hard to see sometimes because Casey Kenny's like a f- the biggest pressure. He's like an energizer, bunny. he's always in your face. Pressure, pressure, pressure. But I don't know, Dan. I, I mean, 
is Song Yudong the 23-year-old? I mean, is where does he go from here? Because Casey Kenny, I mean, he's one of the guys that we seem to always ride. Yeah, no, I, I was impressed a lot by Song Yudong. His footwork especially, his ability to keep up on the pace that Casey was matching. I mean, yeah. I, these are two things that weren't so present in any of Song's last fight. He, he's a pocket puncher with a lot of extended combos, and the combos work a lot better if you attach that footwork, that second element onto them. And Casey just looked like he was a tad bit slower for the entire fight. Which, by the way, I'll give credit. I'll give credit where credit's due because I always shit on Team Alpha Male, especially for their lack of fighter development. I feel like a lot of Cody's downfall and losing. I mean, Cody, like you said, he he moved camps, and then TJ moved camps, which is infamous. All these people are leaving Team Alpha Male, and so I always give them a really hard time. But with their Sage Northcutt's another one I shit on them for. But Song Dong's a guy that I actually think. The improvements from fight over fight, if it is all at Team Alpha Male, then I give them a hats off because, yeah, I saw the same improvements you did. His footwork was a lot smoother, and he did a great job. I mean, being so lean and so strong, he did a great job of matching Casey Kenny's pace. Definitely. All right. That's it for the recap. As always, go follow us on Twitter and all the other socials at ankle pick pod and communicate with us. Let us know what you had on your scorecards and uh, shoot the shit with the boys. We'll be on to set the spread. Reese has been loving that live tweeting. So that they go interact with them. You want please, all the interactions. Please. It's literally all I do on fight nights is stare at Twitter and drink beers. Sounds like a pretty good day. to me if you want. I'm about it. All right, let's move it on to set the spread. Last week we had Parker host. Reese took the first three-point lead in the history of set the spread, 13 and 10 in 2021. But ankle pickers, daddy's back. I'm back hosting this week. It actually hurt a little bit listening to Parker do it just because I miss it so much. I, I love this. I'm back. We don't have an event this week. We're getting out a little bit ahead of it. Reese, with the 13-10 lead, the first three-week lead in the history of set the spread, but 13 is an unlucky number coming for you. Fight on the main I'm ready card. for it, baby. Let's get it. August 21st, back at the Apex. We have a flyweight bout, Alex Pantoja and Brandon Roy Bow. Okay, so first things first, these are always, Dan and I historically, these are always the best cards when we get that extra week to tape after pay-per-views. So I'm really excited to be able to be blessed with that again. The second this ends and I can finally get the lines and there's no chance I can cop a feel <laughs> getting one of the lines. <laughs> I uh, am going to look forward to taping. So lucky for me though, Pantoja is a guy that I followed throughout his entire career. We talked about him in uh, Manel cops breakdown from just last week. He's a guy who was an ultimate fighter vet. He, I, I think he perennially, I mean, he, I think, won a split decision over Brandon Moreno, and he also beat him on the Ultimate Fighter, so he's beaten him twice now, and that's the flyweight champ. So, obviously, he's as talented as they come. Brandon Royville, now, he's more of a question mark to me as far as, like, what is he going to be able to bring to the table? I mean, he lost pretty decisive, not decisively, but he lost to Brandon Moreno, but it was, it was by injury. He did pull off that... Uh, nice sub against Kai Car France, who I and, and and then he also beat uh Tim Elliott's 
best friend in the world. The thing is, is I think Brandon Royval's best chance of victory here is via submission. And unfortunately, across from him is a guy in Pantoja who is a Brazilian and he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he's 31 years old. And I can't even name the last time he lost via submission if he ever has. I'm looking at his record right now. He never has. So at least in professional MMA. So Patoja's going to be the favorite here. And if he's not, it will be an automatic demand of a pause in place bet here. I, I'm going to go Pantoja and I'm going to go as high as minus 165. Brandon Ravel plus 145. Yeah, I echo everything you say. Um, I, I agree that Roy Val's best path to victory is probably a sub. And I think that Pantoja's outmatching him there. I think Pantoja's probably also going to have a speed advantage. I guess I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'll go all the way up to 180. Wait. Oh, I did 165. You're doing 180. Okay. Remember, this was a man who was only minus 125 against Manel Cops. That just shows you how the odds makers like respect uh, Manel. Opened just a week ago on the 4th of August. Minus 125 Pantoja. It's gone up, but not enough for DK. Let's go! 160? 160 Pantoja. Poha, dude! Poha on five. Not, not to blow my load for you listeners, but looking at his re- his record, Askar Askarov and Figgy are his only losses in, what, three and a half years? Pantoja's going to beat Roy Val. That probably is going to see my card at only 165. Yeah, 100%. Get on it sooner than later because it's rising. Except, Pan, dude, not, I mean, I know we're going to wait for the breakdown, but, you know, Pantoja does have some uh, cardio issues that make me worried if this does get into the late second, early third. But Okay, continue along, chugging. Danny, you're up first. 1-0-R-P, lightweight bout, Vince Pichel, Austin Hubbard. All right, we've got Austin Hubbard versus Vince Pichel. Uh, it's an interesting stylistic matchup. Austin Hubbard out of t- Team Elevation is a guy who I have a lot of respect for. I picked Joe Selecki over him a little bit ago, but that was because I just think Joe Selecki is a different level of a grappler. And even Austin put up a decent fight against him, um, was defending those grapples well. And and I don't think that Vince is going to come at him with a jujitsu-heavy attack. That's not Vince's MO at all. He's going to be more of a fluster. But I think that Austin is just going to be – and as I'm saying, it Vince just has the more name value. I think it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be close to even. And I'm going to lean Vince as being the favorite right now. Looking at his record, his only loss being Gregor Gillespie, a guy who can beat a lot of guys stylistically, especially Vince Pichel. And the Roosevelt Roberts and Jim Miller wins are going to look good. Uh, I'm going to go minus 135, Vince Pichel. Wow, that moved a lot. I'm going 130, Vince Pichel. Because I thought Austin Hubbard was going to be a favorite a second ago until I started delving into this Vince Pichel record. So, so you're locking in 130, Dan? Yep. All right. I, I, I kind of think it's going to be higher. Main reason being, like, I, I mean, I, I actually do kind of like Austin Hubbard. Um, he does fight out of Elevation Fight Team, which you mentioned. He's, he's young, too. When we've seen him, it's like, okay, other other than Joe Selecki, which, again, we talked about, like, you called with flying colors. 
mean, Marco Manson, he lost to kind of a name just from his wrestling background. Davi Ramos. background. Right. But and, and I and that's fine. But I'm just saying like Dakota Bush, like they're they're kind of this. This Pichelle fight is a huge step up for him. Huge. And Pichelle's on the other end fighting like Jim Miller, who's like probably he's got the most octagon time in the entire world. Roosevelt Roberts, who people would say is a better prospect than Austin Hubbard in a lot of ways. Eight no at the time. I mean, I, I think that's no longer the case, but it, I think you missed the mark a little bit low here. I'm going to go higher. I want to do a way higher and I'm going to be a dick in prices, right? You, I'm going to go, I'll give you the five ticks though. I'll go, uh, Vince Pichelle minus minus one forty. But in all honesty, I think it's going to be close to like 55. Again, opened up a week ago on the fourth at Pichelle minus 160. It's even minus 110 both ways Ooh. right now. Stole that Point one. DK. Wow. Nice job, Dan. Wow. I that one. I even went cocky. I feel with dirty it. about it. No, you shouldn't. That was a phenomenal pick. I was just wrong. I missed the mark. Next up, heavyweight bout. Parker Porter and Chase Sherman. Reese, lead things off. All right, hold on. Let me roll my sleeves up. I really did not expect that last one to go that way. Okay, so the Parker Porter is a guy that I have consistently kind of said doesn't belong here. I know the Josh Parisian fight didn't age well for me, but based on how badly the line was and his loss to Chris Dawkins, I wasn't really sure how to react on this guy, even though I... I mean, I don't want to use the COVID fighter, but but then you're on the other side. You got Chase Sherman, who, in all honesty, I mean, he was just in bare knuckle fighting. Before that, he was in some regional promotion. He, he lost three tough ones in a row in the UFC. One to Justin Willis. Uh, and, and, I mean, Augusto Sakai's aged a little better. But, yeah, I mean, this is one where it's like, gosh, pick your poison. If you bet this, you're, you're a crazy person. But I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna guess that that Chase Sherman's probably the the favorite. I, I mean, he's younger. Parkour's 36. He has more martial arts experience. I'm gonna go Chase Sherman minus 180. But I would never touch it. Not within a thousand foot pole. I agree with a lot of what you said. The thing for me that sticks out the most is Parker Porter being a 36 year old heavyweight. Chase. Sherman seems to be on some kind of resurgence of his career. Uh, I know that that Andre Arlovsky decision was tough for him, but Andre Arlovsky is one of the toughest guys and smartest fighters in UFC history. And he's a tough guy to win a decision over at any time. Reese, I like your line a lot. Um, I, I'm going to go under it because these guys are heavyweights and I don't have a lot of Parker's 36. This sucks. I like your I know. line a lot. I think you have a great line. I'm going to go under it. 170. I mean, that's that's smart. I mean, I mean, I don't I, think I'll bet Sherman at 170, but I don't think I bet this fight at like whatever. I don't like this fight. <laughs> no, you can't. Hopefully, hopefully quick knockout. I don't have to watch it too long. So what are you locking in? 70, 170. Yeah, damn. I was hoping you'd go over me when you were debating. Well, if Danny would have gone over, he would have lost. If he went under, he would have lost because ding, 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 oh! 180. <laughs> we got Reese on the button. Chase Sherman, Chase Sherman minus 180. 
Honestly, Vegas, call my number. I can make these lines for you for a lot cheaper. Wow. Let's go. Poha. That's I wonder I liked it so much. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I thought it went a little high. I get half a point. <laughs> yeah, that's just a disadvantage of going second. Next up, we have a lightweight bout. Clay Guida and Mark Madsen. DK, lead us off. This fight's on the main main card? Wow. Yeah, I Tapology has it wrong because I said the undercard, but it's actually the co-main. Wow. Interesting. Like we just said about Marco Madsen, then aptly nicknamed the Olympian. He's a guy who wrestled in the Olympics, as surprising as that is. Uh, he's also undefeated, but at being an Olympian wrestler, obviously you know he's a crazy good wrestling base and a crazy good gas tank. On the other side, Clay, Clay Guida also has a good wrestling base, but Clay Guida is also 39. I'm going to have Mark as a favorite here, even though I don't think he's like – the most impressive prospect ever. I know 10 and O is 10 and O, but I look down his resume and there aren't, aren't, there aren't the best guys in the world on the, on this list. None of them. I mean, I think the most best quality guy he's fought is Austin Hubbard, who we mentioned a little bit ago and who was a dog on this card. So I'm going to have Marco Madsen as a favorite. I'm going to not, I'm going to not have a two in front of it just slightly. I'm going to go 190 because I think that he's, I think Marco Madsen is going to be a much better athlete than Clay, Clay here at 39. And, and that's my number. So this is one that I think is probably going to bust some parlays here. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that, oh man, I actually don't know. I, this one's tough. I mean, you got a guy in, in Clay Guida who, I mean, obviously he's been around forever. I mean, you, you can go so far back and he's just a UFC. I mean, he's as old as they come. The thing is, though, is, and Dan, you might know this better than me, but in his last, I don't know, five, six bouts, I mean, he's fought like phenomenal guys, but he's been losing via submission. He lost to Jim Miller via guillotine. He lost to, I mean, Charles Oliveira via guillotine, but. I guess, and then he lost a grappling bout too via armbar. But so, like, I, I mean, I still would imagine that he'd have better jujitsu than Mark Manson, right? He's just such a phenomenal wrestler. But he's got a wrestling background. I mean, I'm going off. So just full cards on the table. I'm going off Marco Madsen's line with Austin Hubbard. I'm trying to think, what would Austin Hubbard be against Clay Guida? And then, because the 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 Marco Manson line was he was minus two forty in that Austin Hubbard fight, so I actually think it he might be h- higher than that. What'd you go again, Dan? You said one eighty. I think I said one ninety. One ninety. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go two hundred. I am gonna say there's a two in front of it, but I I think Guida might have some value there. I I, I if I had to pick, I would say it's gonna be like. 220 but I, I i i this game is too close for me to be playing that kind of game i'm gonna go 200 there's gonna be a two in front of it no regrets in prices writing that's part of the game opened minus 250 madsen minus 155 is where Whoa. it's at no. 55 that's, much lower than y'all were that's a huge drop though i mean you're looking at a whole 
whole point there. Holy shnikes. 2-2 ball game. The main event, a middleweight bout, Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum. <laughs> Reese, lead things off, and Dan prices right the shit out of him. Oh, my God. This is crazy because this is one that – I mean, if I win this one, I'm starting to severely – I mean, we're getting here in, in mid-August. I'm severely distancing myself from Dan in the set the spread season one. But oh man, I do kind of know my middleweights because I shit on them all the time and say, Izzy's a fake champ. Uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam's a guy who put on like fight of the century in that Israel Adesanya fight. It was just, I mean, I wouldn't say it was the best fight ever, but it, it was just entertaining as far as, but I mean, dude, he lost via heel hook to Jack Hermanson. He, he obviously just lost to Robert Whitaker. He lost to Darren Till. He's lost to Adesanya. I mean, he's a small middleweight. Do you know who's not a small middleweight? Do you know who's a humongo middleweight? Jared Cannonier. I mean, he's he's got five inches in height. He's got He's got, yeah, he's got four or he got two inches in height. He's got a couple inches in reach. I, I always say Gastelum smaller than he is. But Kennedy's a lot older and it took him a lot longer to hit his stride. Gastelum's got a, a bigger name as well. This one's so tough. So I'm just gonna put my cards on the table yet again. I'm going close to even. It's 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 gonna tilt one way or the other, but there's zero chance there's a two in here. I would argue that there's zero chance there's a 150 in here. I think it's going to be even narrower than that. Let's go Cannoneer. Minus 130. Minus 130. I was thinking maybe 25, so I don't know if Dan's going to go under. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go 25. I'm going to go 25. I'm going to go minus 125. Um, I forgot for a second that you couldn't see my face, and I went back to it because... I was looking over my notes and whatnot, just kind of listening, agreeing with a lot of what you said until you said that it couldn't be my number. I My number written down was 150. And your whole, Ooh. I can't, I can't, there can't be a 150. Ooh. That's the number I have. I've got Cannoneer as, and, and I'm a guy who has no disrespect for Kelvin Gaslam. He's, he's a very well-rounded fighter. But I think the killer gorilla has really hit this, his side in the second half of his career coming down from light heavy. This is a guy who has gone the distance with Jan Blahovic. I mean, obviously he didn't win that one, but it, as you said, he's a big dude, a real big dude for this division. I, I like 150. So I would say, Dan, before we get into it, if you told me that it opened at 150 or like 160, you know, like, yeah, that makes sense. I just think that where it's at right now, and granted, I don't know how much movement is, there is, but like, I, I mean, I guess this is more sharp movement, but like, dude, Gastelum is like known. I mean, you, a lot of people know Calvin Gastelum. He won the ultimate fighter. He put on that performance without Asanya. Cannoneer flies more under the radar. But we have Cannoneer who's coming off. I know, granted, it's a loss and a pretty decisive start to finish loss to Robert Whitaker. Well, so is Gastelum. Even money. That was even money versus Robert Whitaker. True, true. There's no way true. he's even money versus Gastelum after being even money versus Robert. No, you're Whittaker. no, you're right. There's 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 no way. I think it's just like you're right. You're right. You're right. I I mean when you're Kobe, right, you're tell right. me I'm right. No, you're you're right. It's just like you guys you guys both <laughs> tell me have... I'm right and let me say poha. <laughs> What's your number? 
Are you pricing right him? One fifty. No, I'm I not. think it might. I'm, you know I'm going what? with after, my number that he said it, it couldn't be. After Dan saying that, in all honesty, it might even be higher than one fifty. <laughs> but but I'm gonna stick with my guns. One twenty five because I don't really have a choice. Danny rip a poha. Uh, poha. Minus one forty five. Cannoneer. Fuck. You were right, Reese. You said there couldn't. It couldn't be a one fifty. It what didn't it, get all the way up there. One forty five. Open at Kobe. <laughs> this is gonna surprise you guys. This one's been on the books for a little over two months. Early June, minus two forty. Cannoneer. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you said when it's been on the books because that was one of my questions. I know Paulo was originally scheduled to fight here against Jared and Kelvin stepped in, but it sounds like they got a full fight camp, so that really shouldn't factor too much well, into my analysis what you said dan is what is when i i kind of the the loss sunk in and i knew i was after is when you were talking about how canier opened or closed around even money with whitaker and, and people were confused granted there was some stuff around whitaker that people were debating but against gastelum or when whitaker faced gastelum i don't even think it was close i remember whitaker being unbettable yeah check me i remember i think whitaker had a two in front of i've me. got gastelum's page open it was gastelum plus 230 there you go. Yeah. So I remember Whitaker being rather un unbettable. So, wow. If you see that gap, then the 240 out of Canadier makes sense. I mean, that's, you can pretty much place him similar to Whitaker. But I, so at 145, Dan, I mean, so let's just cue the viewers in quick before we wrap up here. Dan's not going to be on the show this week. Uh, unfortunately, he's taken some PTO from the podcast, but I may call in on a staticky line, even more staticky than normal. I was going to say, listeners. based on his internet today, who, who knows what, what he's going to have drawn up. But so Kobe and Parker are going to step Can in for him. String. Honestly, Kobe and Parker are going to set up for him and it's going to be more than fine. It'll be a great podcast as always. But so before we close off today, I just want to get your thoughts. What do you think of this main event next or yeah, not this week, but next week is 145 appropriate line. Or do you actually think there's going to be a lean one way or the other? Like, are, are, are you comfortable betting? Cannoneer there it's ever so slight ever ever so slight but my number was slightly bigger than the 145 i still have slightly. to lean with my bigger boy guy because it's interesting the sharps knocked it down so much it is like that's all i mean 100 points that's a shitload uh okay i hey, i we mean we got a guy who's a former heavyweight right that was a, i'm telling you he's ago, huge yeah yeah he's huge. former heavyweight but so with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thank you again to, to Sean for coming on here. It was an absolute blast with him, and I cannot wait to hopefully run that one back. So everyone, this is the last thing you're hearing. Danny's Voice of the Week. Parker and Kobe will join me for next week's episode and the breakdown of Cannoneer Gastelum. Anything else, boys? Dan, rip a static poha. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.